Hi, this is Tom Field with Security Media Group. The topic today is risk assessment and information security. I'm talking with Brian Huntley, Vice President and Information Security Officer of Camden National Bank. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, Tom, my pleasure for being here, and, and thank you for thinking of including us in this program. Now, now, Brian, I understand you came to the bank just a little over two years ago, and risk assessment and building an information security program were, were big parts of your job. Where were the risk assessment and InfoSec programs when you started at the bank? Tom, when I joined Camden National in April 2006, um, the information security risk assessment, which really is what drives the whole program, um, that's what we term, uh, it was a, a threats-based information security risk assessment. Um, it was not an, an information assets-based risk assessment, and as a result, we had a, a number of opportunities around both that in terms of its serving its intended purpose as defined by Graham Leach-Bliley, and, and also uh, being able to use it tactically to help us better define develop and, and refine our overall program. Um, we had worked through what I termed a, a threats-based information security risk assessment, meaning that it keyed off the different types of events that could happen. Um, we studied uh, what it, what's the risk if uh, malware were introduced on the network? What's the risk if we experienced insider theft or insider fraud? Um, we keyed off uh, what's the risk if this system fails. And because it was, it was threats-based, we did not gain sufficient transparency into the relative valuation of the information assets. Um, in 2007, uh, both as a result of internal continuous improvement vision as well as to some degree um, regulatory uh, criticism, we converted that to an information assets-based risk assessment. Uh, enabling that was uh, an inventory of all of our information assets, be they physical or electronic. And then because we understood what information we had, uh, we could relatively value that as a function of its importance and sensitivity for business purposes as well as whether it represented sensitive customer information. So the information security risk assessment was threats-based when I got here in, in April 2006. The information security program um, was kind of half and half uh, split between uh, subscription content um, that we had procured from information services providers and the other half was homegrown. Um, while the original development of our information security program um, had been begun with the end in mind, um, it didn't really emanate from a particular centralized common baseline. It, it was a bit piecemeal, and while we probably covered the, the minimum bases that we needed to, uh, it was insufficiently uh, broad and deep to really let us well, for it to be scalable uh, to some extent, but but moreover, I think extensible, such that when additional risks or uh, threats expose themselves, we weren't able to see readily how to apply it to those. So long story short, uh, the information security risk asset was threats-based, and it was perceived by auditors and regulators as needing to be information assets-based. Um, the information security risk assessment 
was a, a bit piecemeal, uh, and the working was not as cohesive nor as coherent as perhaps it should have been. So, Brian, moving between those endpoints, where you started and where you needed to go, give me a sense of the, the scope of this. What needed to be done, and really, by when did you have to complete this? Yeah, um, I, Tom, it, it, coming to Camden National was a great opportunity for me, but uh, I'll, I'll level with you. I wish I had asked a few more questions <laughs> about some of the immediate tactical challenges that I was confronted on day one. Um, at the time I came in, we had over a 100 um, individual either audit responses or regulatory exam comments that needed to be addressed by the end of that year. So we had, um, well, what, I guess uh, from mid-April, so just over seven months to be able to address those audit comments. Um, we'd committed to our internal audit committee, uh, the board, and, and also, um, you know, the auditors and the regulators that had levied those criticisms that we would remediate them by the end of the year. So the immediate challenge was assimilating all of that stuff. You know, when an auditor or a regulator gives you uh, a comment, it's, it's not necessarily framed in a project management context, but rather more of a summary context. And then it's up to the executing and performing organization to really figure out what that means they have to execute tactically in order to accomplish the management objective. So the immediate challenge, and I think I spent the first three to four weeks of, of being here, was to assimilate all of that stuff, um, organize it around a project management context so that we could understand the resource requirements that we were going to need to invest in order to be able to achieve the objective of remediating them by the end of the year. Now, ultimately, um, I don't think we, we got after all 100 of them by odd by December 31st. We came pretty close. Um, our challenge, too, was making sure that we were addressing the most critical risks as fast as we could, you know, so we, we needed to prioritize um, what the different responses represented uh, from a risk standpoint. Um, then, in the middle of all of that, uh, we, like many companies, if not most, in the financial services industry, do an annual update of our information security program. So at the same time that we were working on organizing and then remediating um, the residual risks that we had, uh, probably end of second quarter, beginning of third, we needed to do the annual information security program update. It was pretty clear uh, from having been here just a short time that the, the program needed some redevelopment. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, it, it wasn't as tactically effective as it could have been. And so I kind of looked at it and said, well, gee, I, I like to uh, re-engineer this. Well, you know, re-engineering is fine if an organization has the opportunity to step back, throw the baby out with the bathwater, and start all over again. And that wasn't possible for us and probably wouldn't be possible for anybody that's operating a program real-time. You know, so what we were faced with was folding into the program um, the critical remediations that the audit and regulatory comments had, had said we needed to add, um, positioning it for subsequent overall redevelopment in the coming year, um, and, and also, um, you know, correcting any errors or inconsistencies, but being sure that while we were doing that, that we didn't increase risk, but rather, at minimum, maintained the risk the risk baseline that we already had. So in summary, uh, short term, it was remediate a number of regulatory and audit comments, 
as well as consecutively work through the program update for 2006. So what would you say you've accomplished to date, Brian? Well, I think the, 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 most, uh, the most beneficial aspects are that the, the, the program's redevelopment in 2007 um, unbundled and decoupled the, progr- the, the policies that comprise the program components and gave them um, more transparency for uh, our stakeholders. That, that's our, our term for our employees. So it helped our, it helped our stakeholders plug into um, their in the individual accountabilities as expressed in our policies you know if you do, if you have not in our in our legacy document it was as if you were reading a novel uh, there were separate policies for the different types of control domains that that are important but to find them you had to page through page through page through and the redevelopment in 07 uh, positioned each one of those uh, control areas as a separate policy and also broke out a separate section in each one where our stakeholders could tell what they're individually accountable for in terms of living up to the policy. So that, that transparency and um, that, that availability of the information for the folks that work here um, has done a lot for us in terms of our employees' fluency, awareness, but moreover, I think, their effectiveness in um, working in in a secure and safe and and uh, risk mitigating mode. Um, what we've also done is created a situation where uh, any of our information security activities, monitoring and testing, um, logical access reviews, the things that we had been doing to some degree, inferentially perhaps casually. Um, were re-committed uh, to, amplified, but moreover um, cohered in more of a programmatic context in such a way that all of our observers, be they internal or external, could more readily tell exactly where we were coming from around some of the trusted definitive source baselines that, that we have to work to to achieve effectiveness, such as the FFIEC guidelines, Graham-Leach-Bliley, um, and I didn't mention it earlier, but I'd like to now. That that's that was really key to our ability to do what we did. Putting things into a project management context enabled us to work our plan, you know, work through the roadmap. But by baselining what we were going to do, taking our plan back to uh, a trusted definitive source baseline, we were able to ensure that the work product that we ended up with met the expectations uh, of our external observers but moreover enabled our company to feel confident that we were doing all the right things. The kinds of baselines that we referenced, as I said, the FFIEC guidelines and and their interpretation of Graham-Leach-Bliley Act. Um, We also used the NIST guidelines and uh, have a vision, and they're still working to it, that ultimately when this is all uh, mature, say, in the next couple of years, that will have a world-class ISO 27002 compliant information security program. Now, will we go for ISO certification? I suspect not, but but it'll be enough for us to be able to show that it, it could be rendered that way. What would you say has been the toughest part of this transition so far? Um, I think that for me personally, it's probably been um, picking my spots and not over-committing. 
Um, probably, as you can tell from talking with me, I'm pretty energetic and um, I, I like to work and I, I enjoy doing things. But, you know, coming into Camden National, where our environment, because our company had committed to, to trying to uh, do the right things around information security, I found a number of investments having already been made in tools, um, in systems, and we just needed some help with, with managing them programmatically. To me, as an information security professional, coming into an environment like that where management and the board are so committed to doing the right thing but just hadn't found the right people to help them do that yet, I was, it was like being a kid in a candy store. So to some degree, it was like, okay, what do I do first? And, you know, for me, it was prioritizing and making decisions around um, what to do first, what to do next, to, to maximize the company's ability to, to secure our, our information and, and mitigate the related risks. I think it was a little, um, a, a little frustrating, too, that I wasn't able to start from scratch. Um, you know, that, that's just not possible, and I think that was a little naivety on my part coming into it. I, I, I had this vision that, I, that, that redevelopment really meant re-engineering, and um, that just was, was uh, an inaccurate kind of a, uh, an outlook on my part. And so um, having a lot of opportunity and not being able to do all of it in a 50 to 55-hour work week, um, and then on the other hand, not necessarily being able to do it exactly in the way that, that Brian Huntley had thought he wanted to do it when he looked at the opportunity, those were probably the biggest challenges. On the flip side of that, some of the easiest things, um, i got to tell you that, that I think our company probably has one of the most engaged, most knowledgeable, most committed, and most caring senior executive team as well as the board. Um, I can't, you know, the first time you go through a, a board review of your information security program, that's always pretty daunting because at the end of the day, uh, with the board having the formal fiduciary and legal responsibility for the governance of your information security program, you know, there's a tendency to go into those kinds of interactions with uh, a good degree of trepidation. Oh, gee, what if I've fallen short? Oh, gee, you know, what if I didn't capture this or do that or, or whatever? Um, our senior executives and our board couldn't have been and remain to this day, couldn't be more supportive uh, in terms of, of doing what we need to do. Uh, moreover, they, they're interested and they're caring. Um, I, I've, I'm always wowed when I talk with uh, those folks and they ask technical and tactical questions that, you know, the types of dialogue you and I as information security professionals would have. They want to know. They want to know about how host intrusion detection works. They want to know how antivirus works. They want to know how when they're at home, they should conduct and comport themselves in their own uh, information technology use in such a way that, that they can minimize their personal information security risk. To find that, in, a, in a, especially in a board uh, with as little amount of time as what typically I would get as one of 35, say, people that, that really interact with the board on a policy program update basis, to have that opportunity is really affirming, it's really energizing, and you know, so that I would have to say is on the flip side of what's been tough, that, that's probably what's been the easiest. Brian, what would you label as maybe your, your biggest success to date with this program? Um, as I thought that through, I think what we've done with our monitoring and testing program uh, has really been the biggest success. I mean, I, I've talked through a lot of things, but 
but it's been the the daily uh, monitoring of our events logs, um, the ability to assimilate and interpret and take away business indication from the very arcane information that's in those logs um, that's really helped us gain a comfort level with our company's information security risk posture. Um, as I mentioned, we have host intrusion detection systems. We, we run a couple of perimeter firewalls and, uh, and a spam firewall. And learning and organizing first and then learning how to assimilate all of that, correlate it around what's going on uh, with our business, and create transparency and uh, knowledge for the management team around how are we doing around information security risk, what's happening out there in the environment. That's probably been the biggest success. Um, our technology steering committee has a transparency into that that, that, that they, they never had before. Um, it, it makes them feel more comfortable and more confident uh, around executing business decisions um, for things that, that uh, enhance value for our stockholders, all of our constituencies in the company. I mean, d d for example, in the last several months, um, we worked through an acquisition integration of another bank here in Maine. Um, the fact that we had such a good baseline around monitoring and testing when we merged our systems, we knew what we were looking at, you know, and we knew and anticipate the types of things that we could expect from an information security risk standpoint, so that was greatly enabled. Um, and, and again, I, I, again I, I just think it's, it's the monitoring and testing program that's given us the most capability maturity uh, of all the things that we've done. Give me a sense of what people see that's different now. Like what tangible results can employees, for instance, see? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think that they gained, they've gained confidence around the company's expectations of them as, as individual, uh, what their individual accountabilities are in terms of fulfilling the company's expectations for information security. You know, no longer does an, does an employee need to worry, well, is this the right thing or the wrong thing? They can fairly readily tell um, that it is and do that on their own. That's really important. You know, it's, it's kind of like the old adage of divided we stand, uh, united we stand, divided we fall. Uh, if we can get everybody acting together in more or less the same way, we'll do a lot better job. And so we've achieved that force multiplication, I think, through the, the individual employees knowing more and being able to tell better what their individual accountabilities are. Furthermore, I think um, our organization now having the human capital, um, the intellectual capability, whatever you want to call it, of a single point of contact that is a you know that, that that is dedicated to this function of information security, that's tactically enabled us to work faster, because whenever we think things through, it's no longer a decentralized point of contact. Uh, I never I didn't mention at the beginning, I don't think, but the information security officer prior to my arrival did it on a part-time basis. It was, a, it was a function that was added on top of our operations manager's duties. And so when new things would come up, it, it wasn't always clear whether it should be directed right there or whether it needed to be technology. But by virtue of having an information security officer's role defined, there's a sense of specialization, there's a sense of ownership that I think has helped everybody in the company when they're proposing new business initiatives, when they're dealing with operational issues, um, know where to direct those inquiries, where to direct um, 
their concerns and, and, and have them dealt with as expeditiously and as competently as, as we can. From a customer standpoint, that, that's pretty important too. Um, because of the additional focus that we've achieved uh, as, as, as well as the uh, additional insight, um, we've been able to reduce processing errors, and you know, I'd, I'd like to attribute all of that to the information security program. You know, I'm not sure that, that we can entirely, but I can tell you that we've reduced our processing errors. Um, I think what we've been able to do as a, as a corporation is we've increased our service responsiveness, whether it's through the introduction of some new technologies in our branches or whether it's simply because we'll, we're able to tell a customer faster how or maybe if we can do something for them than we could before. Um, you know, kind of cut it back to, well, our depositors probably get higher interest rates to some degree because our costs are lower. Um, probably our uh, borrowers get to some degree a lower rate on their on their loans because you know we're not incurring perhaps the the same um, less efficiencies uh, the, the same lower efficiencies that we were so uh, it's it's a little bit tough to say to the customer to the stockholder exactly what the tangible benefits are but as I thought it through in the context of both our stakeholders our employees. As well as our customers and our and our, our stockholders that are the other part of our constituency, that, that's that's kind of what I've taken away for myself as being the tangible benefits we've we've uh, we've delivered. Now, Brian, you mentioned uh, the perhaps the grail of, of ISO certification. What is next for you? Well, um, where we need to head as a, a still relatively small. Uh, we're a financial services company. I mean, I, we, we introduced it as Camden National Bank, and, and that's the flagship of Camden National Corporation. We also um, operate a trust subsidiary known as Acadia Trust, uh, and then the service corporation itself. And um, while uh, just over a $2 billion company uh, in terms of total assets and uh, some 300-odd nearer to just over 400 stakeholders now, we're a relatively small company. Yeah, we have a footprint in nearly two-thirds of the state of Maine, but we don't have an awful lot of extra cash these days. And so for us, where we need to head is automation. Um, we need to find ways to take the things that we're doing manually now and automate them. Uh, furthermore, uh, we're relying on administrative controls, and while those meet our needs from a risk mitigation standpoint, there, there's always opportunity to do better. And it's the installation of, it's the specification and installation of technical preventive controls um, that that, that kind of complement the, the automation vision um, and, and make things uh, a little easier and, and, and provide you with the resource relief that you need to go ahead and, and begin to um, further mature the program. We're also going to be doing a resource gap analysis this year to ensure that we've got the right level of, of human capital applied to this. And, and, you know, and that's driven by residual risk. The, the prudency principle comes into play. We're not going to spend more on mitigating any of this risk than, than what it actually represents. Um, being knowing what our information assets are from the inventory I alluded to at the beginning, knowing how much they're worth and and what the residual risk around them in the forms of uh, perhaps the, the the additional controls that we could implement, that gives us good direction from a business planning standpoint 
uh, and we'll use that to plan and then ultimately implement the additional automation, the additional technical preventive controls that I think are, are going to position us to, to do even more with this than, than what we've been able to achieve so far. Brian, you laughed up front saying you wish you'd asked some more questions before you took the job. I'm curious now, uh, what, what advice would you give to a peer stepping into a similar situation with these challenges? Well, d don't get me wrong on that, Tom. I mean, that that, that was speaking a little casually. Um, it, in no way, shape, or form has any have any of my expectations not been way exceeded in, in terms of um, the opportunity and, and the trust and just simply the, the commitment the company has made to what we're trying to achieve. So, yeah, I, I guess if I wanted to take off on that a little bit, I'd, I'd clarify it to say um, when you're looking at an opportunity in a company at the get-go, please be sure to interpret it in the context of not only your vision for it, but perhaps more importantly the company's vision for it. So that's a clarification on, on the earlier comment that you alluded to. I think what I'd, what I'd advise somebody else to is um, the old adage, plan your work and work your plan. Um, there's no substitute for using a project management context to approach any type of work. You know, you don't necessarily have to have uh, a fully fleshed out project management program to use project management concepts in, in terms of decomposing your tasks into smaller and smaller, uh, more definable and executable bytes. When you're faced with a huge scope of work, sometimes it can be very daunting to even get started, let alone get anything done, unless you do decomposition, because you know that's the key to making a list and being able to then execute on it. I think, too, um, as I mentioned, and I think you, you might have alluded to it as the holy grail, I think it's really important that, that whenever, whether you come into a situation with the opportunity that I had to redevelop or you go into a situation where you're going to be in more of a caretaking mode around uh, a program that's fully fleshed out and, and already pretty mature, I think it's important to make sure that the, the, that which you're responsible for is aligned with whatever taxonomy um, applies to the environment. You know, look around and, and figure out whether it's HIPAA, whether it's Gramm-Leach-Bliley, whether it's the, the NERC critical infrastructure protection uh, standards. Whatever taxonomy applies around information security in the, the functional environment that you're responsible for, look at that as that holy grail that you mentioned and, and use that as your touchstone. Um, the, the, we get an information security professional's role, among other things, is to translate the theory into practical operational realities. And it is, it is those, those standard fr frameworks that not only tell you where you should go, must go, but moreover, if you look at them in a project management context, can give you that direction that may not be there um, when you first arrive. And then lastly, um, I think... Uh, I'd like to share that, that people need to measure as many things as they can, um, as well as do management reporting, because information security as a, as a, as a uh, functional area in many companies today is still in its infancy. And many of the people that have the management responsibility for governing the environment may not know as much yet about what they need to know. And it's, it's that measurement, it's that reporting that helps them gain um, the, the tactical fluency, that helps them gain 
um, the professional competencies that they need in their roles to be able to help you as the information security officer achieve the things that you're responsible for. That makes sense. Brian, I appreciate your time and your insight today. Well, Tom, thanks for asking. I, I hope it achieved your expectations, and, and hopefully everybody else that's in the audience on this uh, will gain some benefit from it as well. Very good. We've been talking about risk assessment and information security. We've been talking with Brian Huntley, Vice President, Information Security Officer with Camden National Bank. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.